Hey everyone, welcome back to the Love and Relationships Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Faleda, and I'm so glad you're tuning into these candid conversations about love, sex, dating, singleness, and marriage, as well as mental and emotional health. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a licensed professional counselor and author of four books. I also run the popular relationship advice blog, truelovedates.com, reaching millions of people with the message that healthy people make healthy relationships. If you've tuned into the podcast before, you know it's a hotline-style show, meaning people call in or write in with their questions, and I answer them on this show in short, practical, bite-sized answers. If you have a question that you want me to answer on the show, send it by email or voice memo to deborah at truelovedates.com or check out my podcast page, truelovedates.com slash love and relationships, and I'll do my best to get it answered on one of the episodes. So let's get started. Today's question comes from Lisa from Arkansas. Hey, Deborah, I'm finding myself really struggling with the comparison trap. Scrolling on Instagram just seems to be a trigger of all the things I don't have, from the way I look, to my relationship status, to everything in between. Do you have any practical steps to fighting comparison? Friends, I'm so excited to have Jamie Ivey joining me today on the podcast to tag team this really important question. Jamie, it's so good to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love chatting with you whenever I can. So this is fun to be on the other side of the microphone. I feel like we just had a conversation recently. I guess we did, you know, a few weeks ago. We've had two conversations recently, podcast and then Instagram Live. And so this is just, I feel like I'm just hanging out with you all the time. We got to put a couple more things on the calendar. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) So I thought this would be a really good question to loop you into the conversation because you released a book, was it 2020? 2020. Mm-hmm. Called You Be You. Mm-hmm. And I just love the title in and of itself, you know? Oh, thanks. And so I just think there's a lot of really important points for us to take away when it comes to the topic of the comparison trap. I think we live in an age where this is a huge reality for so many people. I mean, when you look at the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments is not to covet, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like this is a new part of our nature. Yeah. But I think it's really becoming a strong, powerful force, especially because of social media and all the ways that we can compare ourselves to the world around us. So I'm just curious to hear from you, when you look at this comparison thing in your life and how it's played out over the years, even when you were younger, today, what does that narrative kind of looked like for you personally? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so good that you say this isn't new. I mean, this is definitely not new. It feels new. It feels big right now because like you said, we have these phones and I can pick it up and I can get on Instagram or whatever you're your choice of social media is. And I can look and I can see what someone's life supposedly looks like. I mean, and that's the key word here because we all know that's not real. But we can look at what their life looks like. And so we can get this snapshot of what they have right now that you don't have. I mean, but this goes all the way back. I mean, 
in the garden, Adam and Eve. I mean, Eve was comparing what Satan was telling her about how her knowledge was different than God. So she's already going, wait, I'm not getting what I deserve. And I think that is what a lot of comparison is, is we think I deserve more. This isn't fair. I don't have what I should have. You know, I remember, Deborah, we're probably close enough in age that if I wanted to know what a friend of mine was doing, who they were dating, where they went for dinner, what they wore on a Friday night, they had to tell me. Right. Or like, come to my house and show me a piece of paper with a picture on it. And now everything is so just instant that we can see whatever we think we want to see. And so it breeds something in us. And so, I mean, for me, I remember as a young mom, really just struggling with comparing of like, I'm not doing enough or I should be doing this or look at my kid. They're not even doing milestones that they should be doing as if I can control their milestones. But I was so like, this is what I'm supposed to be controlling. And then as they got older, I mean, the same things. It's like I look back on my life and I think, oh, I'm struggling with the same thing. It just looks different. Like, that's what's so funny is you're like, it's the same It's the same thing. It just shows up differently because I'm in a different stage of my life. But I've struggled with comparison. And I think for a lot of us, we might struggle with it until we go home to see Jesus because we live in a broken world and we are broken people who are continually wanting what we don't have, but what we think we deserve. Yeah. You know, you're an influential podcaster. That's fair to say. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm just curious, even in your career and calling, you know, you started podcasting before podcasting was cool. You know, right. like you were kind of the front runner of this thing. And I'm just curious as you were doing what God has called you to do, do you feel like there were temptations for you of like looking around? What are other people doing? How, what are other people getting? What are other people blessed with? How how big are other people's reach? I mean, how did that kind of play out for you, especially in ministry? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I did start podcasting before most of my peers are podcasting. And, you know, I remember when it was just starting to, you know, pick up steam and people would say to me, oh, did you see this person started a show and this person started a show? And they would ask me, does that bother you? I mean, a lot of them are my friends. And I'm like, no. And genuinely deep down inside me, Deborah, it doesn't bother me. I can say that before the Lord. It does not bother me. I am a girl who cheers for other women. Like I am for it, all the things. But I remember there's this quote by Lisa Bevere, and she says, comparison has a pull to it. If allowed Mm. to, it will always move you away from your truest center. Comparison will attempt to puff you up through the insidious vehicle of pride, or it will push you down through the tyranny of insecurity. Either way, it will not be long until you feel as though you are off kilter and on the outside looking in. And I remember when I heard that, it reminded me of, well, she said, you know, it will puff you up through pride. Like we can yeah. be, we can also compare ourselves and think I'm good. I got yes. it going on. At yes. least I'm not like that. Right. And so as far as work life, I remember, I mean, this is embarrassing, but I wrote it in my book, so I might as well say it out loud. I remember one day I was sitting at my kitchen counter and I went to reviews on iTunes and you and I both release stuff and there's just, you know what you don't do? You don't read reviews because <laughs> you don't want to read the bad ones. And so I've learned this lesson the hard way. But for some reason, I was reading reviews about my podcasts and I'm like, oh, these are great. Da, da, da. And then I found myself going to another popular podcast and I found myself reading their reviews, but I didn't go to their five-star reviews. Right. I wanted to read their lowest reviews. So I found myself reading those reviews and the next thing I know... I'm happy that they have bad reviews. I'm thinking I don't have that many bad reviews as they have. Right. And so I, I sit in that funk for, for way longer than I ever should have. 
And I remember my husband came home and I'm like, you're not going to believe what I did. And I, I confessed because I did something wrong. That was terrible. I, I hated the way that made me feel, even though for a moment it made me feel really good. Yeah. But I noticed that that comparison, we sometimes forget that we can also be pretty prideful in oh, our comparison. Man, that's so good. We usually think like comparison is, oh, they're better, I'm worse. Right. But I don't think we talk enough about the comparison of I'm better, you're worse. And in that moment, I'm telling you, I felt good for a split second. I felt like I'm amazing. I have better reviews. She's not as good. And this is this is embarrassing actually to say publicly out loud because that's not who I am. Like I legitimately am not that type of person. But it just shows you how big that pull is. You're right. That pull is just pulls you in. And I felt so dirty and confessed. And you know, we're not to talk about all that, but I mean there's forgiveness and all the yeah. things, and I don't walk in that shame. But it is a pull that is so hard for us to sometimes resist. Oh, man, that is so good and so true because it's not just comparing yourself and having those insecurities. And, you know, you're right. right. That's the side of it that we often focus on. But there's two Mm -hmm. sides to comparison for sure, 100%. And I think the key here is this question. What is my measuring stick? Mm. Because when our measuring stick is other people, there is an emotional roller coaster that comes with that because one day we're going to be on top and Mm -hmm. it's going to feel amazing. And we're comparing ourselves to all the little ones around us and we feel great. We get those amazing Amazon reviews and, you know, we're comparing ourselves. The measuring stick becomes what people around us say, what people around us are doing. When they become our measuring stick, we sign ourselves up for the worst possible yeah. emotional roller coaster because one day we're going to be in the lead and the next day we're going to be far behind. There's always yeah. somebody less than you, but there's always somebody ahead of you. So it's yeah. like it truly is an emotional roller coaster, no matter how you look at it. It's so true. You know, Deborah, I just started a new Bible study with some of my friends out here where I live. And we just started, it's called, um, literally today was the first day, Christ-Centered Parenting. And it's, uh, I don't know who it's put out by, but it's a, a panel discussion. It doesn't matter. But Dr. Moore, Dr. Russell Moore was talking. And he was talking about so many times as parents, we'll look around and compare ourselves to other parents or even families. And we'll think, I come from a broken family. They have an intact family. And like, I, I have felt that way before. Like, man, I'm, I'm so grateful. Like my husband and I are married for 20 years. We have four kids. We seem quote unquote stable. And he made a comment. He said, actually, the truth is there's no intact family. Every family is broken because we live in a fallen world. And he said, so when you look at that perfect family and you think, oh, they have it all going on, you have to remember that because we live in a fallen world, they don't have it all going on. Yeah. And it kind of stopped me because I thought, man, we do that in all areas, whether that's parenting or work um, with our friends, is we look around and we think, man, they must have everything together. And it's funny that we're having this conversation because Aaron and I were on a walk the other night, my husband and I, and we just had an article that came out in a major newspaper about our family. And I was talking to Aaron, I was like, you know, the funny thing is, however many words that is, I don't know, a thousand words. It's snapshot. It's a moment. It's a second of our life. And to make assumptions about us based on that second is the same thing we do all the time when we look at people. We see their social media. We make assumptions about them. And I told Aaron, I said, the thing is, you and I know how many deeper things we're walking through right now that nobody will know about. They're personal. They're hard. I cry at night. We pray about them. They bring me anxiety. 
but that's not for the world to see. And so I think we have to remember everyone's walking around with those. And so the comparison is like, there's not much to compare because we're all living our own vulnerable, broken states because of the world we live in. And, and, you know, we can talk about the gospel and thank goodness for Jesus. But it's just a reminder to me that looking at someone else's life and wishing you had it is a false reality because you don't actually know their life. Yeah, you really don't. And I remember once walking through a hard time and it seemed like everybody around me was really doing well. I feel like when you're in a hard stage, it's, oh, yeah. it's even more exaggerated that everybody seems like they're happy and content and thriving. And you're just, all you see is kind of your darkness and your limitations. And I just remember getting this vision in my mind of like, I have this heavy cross that I'm bearing. Mm. And then Jesus saying, well, then try to pick up someone else's, you know, go go make a trade. And I remember in my mind seeing myself make the trade and going to pick up somebody else's and realizing, oh my gosh, I can't handle that one. <laughs> I thought I could, it looked right. like I could, but when I actually come to pick it up, I realize this is heavier than I realized. Yeah. Oh yeah. And God knew like my portion. He knew my lot. He knew. I, I don't love saying the the quote, God knows what you can handle because I mean... He gives us more than we can handle sometimes because of him. We have him. Jesus, yeah. But he's he's picking up that load with me, and that's what makes it bearable. He's in it yeah. with me. And again, it's just such a reminder that you truly, truly have no clue what people are going through, even when people are nasty, you know? Yeah. I'll never forget getting a message on my blog. You talk about not reading reviews. Well, Sadly, I read my reviews. I, I think I've developed <laughs> thick skin. Like, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. And then there's me rocking in the corner crying. So that's maybe why I shouldn't be reading them. <laughs> I'm like, who cares, right? Yeah. No, but but I remember once I got this really, really aggressive, mean comment on my blog, just like attacking me as a person, yeah. someone who didn't actually know me. My first response is wanting to defend myself and point out all the reasons why they're wrong and just kind of be a little bit nasty back because mm-hmm. I have that in me too if I if I'll let it out, you know. Yeah. But I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to respond in respect and kindness and just affirm that I heard it whether or not I agree with it is a different story. Yeah. And literally 2 years later, Jamie, 2 oh, no. years what happened? later, I get a message from this girl apologizing. And she's like, Deborah, I don't know if you remember me. Well, little did she know I did remember her. You're like, I yes, really did. I do. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that was mean comment 113. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. And she's like, I just want to apologize because I spoke out of a place of hurt and brokenness mm. that I didn't realize at the time. And what you were saying was triggering my own hurt and brokenness. And I just want to apologize to you for misspeaking. And now that I'm at a, a healthier place, I can see where I messed up and I apologize. Mm. You don't get a glimpse into people's life in that way very often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you do, it just reminds you that so much of what's happening underneath the surface is stuff we will never see, never know about. All we see is that superficial glimpse of their marriage, their dating relationship. Another story is when I got a Facebook message from somebody And literally, literally, Jamie, the day before, 
I had seen them post this incredible tribute to her husband. It, it was a someone uh-huh. I knew, an incredible tribute to her husband about their anniversary, their love, their commitment to one another. And you look at that and you're like, wow, like that's right. amazing, amazing yeah. relationship. And literally the next day she messages me and says, we're on the brink of divorce. Hmm. Like it is bad and we are yeah. struggling and we mm. need help. And I'm like, mm. wait, is this the same person right. that, right. but it is the same person. It is yep. the same people because mm-hmm. we all have the tendency and whether it's right or wrong to just present those right. snippets, those highlights. Mm-hmm. And and we really are not seeing the deeper picture yeah. in everybody else's life and everybody else's story. It's so true. It, it makes me think of that verse, and I don't know where it's from, but I think it's Paul who was writing to saying, like, to think on things that are above, maybe Philippians, who knows? I don't know. Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians, it's somewhere in there. But to think on things that are above And I'm even thinking like, so let's say I saw your friend's uh, tribute to her husband. Yeah. And let's say my marriage was like either on the rocks, having a bad day, or my husband just pissed me off that morning. What we do as humans is we read that and we think, I wish I had that life. Right. I wish I could write that about my husband. And you just kind of pulled back the veil and said she didn't actually believe that at all. But my point is for us that are the readers, for us that are the lookers into the world is to also think... Am I more concerned with looking like them and being like them than I am of having my eyes fixed on Jesus? And that sounds very like Christianese and churchy, but it actually is true. Is like for me, when I find myself comparing myself to everyone around me, whether that is my friends that are mothers, my friends that are in social, whatever it might be, whatever area, if my eyes are fixed on them, that's when I'm falling into that comparison trap because I'm just concerned with what they're doing, whatever the persona they're putting off, whatever they're presenting. But if my eyes are fixed on Jesus, then I'm not concerned with the things happening around me. And again, I already said, like, I think this is going to be something we'll deal with for a long time. But it's that continual reminder of put my eyes back on Jesus, put yes. my eyes back on Jesus, put my eyes back on Jesus. And to me, when your eyes are on Jesus, it's real hard to, you know, be looking around at other people wanting what they have. I know. Before we continue this important conversation, let's stop for a word from our sponsor. Sponsors are such an important part because they keep this show going. Thanks to all our sponsors for their ongoing support. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute, shall we? When it comes to paying off debt, it can feel like an uphill battle. High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments can keep you in an endless cycle of debt. Upstart can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan, all online. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash love. That's upstart.com slash love. Don't forget to use that URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash love. So some practical steps, you know, just to kind of manage this in our own life. I would say the first step is limit your external influence. Limit your external influence because... 
I think that what we're taking in can really start to affect the state of our internal contentment. Mm -hmm. So what are we downloading? What are we viewing? What are we absorbing? How many hours a day are we scrolling? I would venture to say, if I had to guess, that people who scroll more have more struggle with feeling discontent and I would, jealous I would agree, and envious. hands down with you, yep. Because you're exposing yourself to image after image after image after image after image of things that aren't totally true. I mean, we all know we take the best picture out of the 10, out of the right. 20, out of the 30, and post that mm-hmm. one. No one's yeah. seeing all the other ones. I mean, yeah. that's just the reality. The more you expose yourself the more you're going to struggle. So even stuff about, I think even exposure as far as what we're watching on TV, Mm. you know, what we're binge watching on Netflix, that can actually mess up that center that you talked about earlier. That can be a pull one way or the other, or even just comparing our bodies to people on TV or Mm -hmm. people on Instagram, our relationship status, the contentment we're feeling in our in our marriage with with rom-coms, you know, mm-hmm. and chick flicks. Like, yep. that's not truth, you know? Right. But when right. that becomes our source of entertainment, how we pass the time, yeah, we it's literally starting to impact our measuring stick. I agree. I you agree. Know? And you know what, Deborah? I think that like it has to come to a point where you're saying, I value my soul more than anything else. And so... For me, like I do this on Instagram is I will either mute or unfollow people all the time. And in fact, I have people muted that I know in real life, but I found myself thinking things about them in their lives that I knew were not healthy. I found myself wondering, why does she have that and I don't? And that's a big thing for me to go like, wait, why why are you thinking that after you look at their Instagram page or after you after you do this? And it's where I had to go, you know what? I'm going to take a break. I'm gonna take a break from following them. I love them. Like, would have dinner with, like, sure. it's not their fault. It's my fault. Right. That's what I think everyone, that's what I always wanna say too is like, I the person that, that you're envious of, it's not their fault. I love, love. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because I have to take ownership for me. And so my ownership is what does my soul need? What does my heart need? What do I, what input do I need to monitor? Because my input monitoring and your input monitoring, and we're not talking pornography, like, you know, like we're talking right. input of, of things that are not, you know, sinful. I would say it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. You know, and it's different in different seasons. I mean, I remember when I was a, a mom to young kids, you talk about rom-coms. I think that's so interesting that you said that because people don't think about that. I remember as a mom to young kids, I'm exhausted and tired and I'd watch a TV show and I would see how, you know, the husband was just like coming in and and picking her up off her feet and they were just, and I was like, I'm so tired and he's tired and we don't do that. Is there something wrong with us? And so it was like, I needed to monitor that input. Right. And I, I love that you said it's not about them. It's about me because I think too many people block people because they're like, oh, that person is just too showy. And I'm not saying some people aren't too showy, but- it's not about them. Like when you get that sensation, the only thing you can control is your response. You can't control right. what they're going to post, what how they're going to live their life, but you can control your response yeah. to it. And and that's a sign and signal that I need to do some work here. And in the meantime, I'm going to mute this yeah. because I'm not healthy enough to handle it. Yep. I love that you pointed that out because very few people see it that way. It's all mm-hmm. about, well, I'm just going to block out 
all the haters and all the people I don't like and all the people that are successful. And like, Mm. that is really indicative more that there's work that needs to be done in me. Like, why is this bothering me? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like if you, if you're a coworker or you're someone that you knew drove a really nice car that you wish you had. And the way you manage that was, well, I think there's something wrong with them for having that car. Well, right. they can have whatever kind of car they want. Maybe you need to work on your heart about what you think when you see their car, you know? So I, it's an inward battle that we have to fight. So so number one, take inventory and, and limit the external influence. But then number two, I would say is begin taking inventory of the internal dialogue. So external influence, but then the internal dialogue, because that's what we have ownership of. I can block this out. But if I don't start taking inventory of my internal dialogue, then I'm not actually moving towards healing. I'm just closing my ears to everything and everyone around me. Yeah. And and so really taking inventory of what am I thinking? Like, what does their success mean to me? Why does that yeah. make me feel less than? Why does them being in a dating relationship affect me? What are the thoughts I'm having about myself? Probably I'm thinking I'm not good enough. They're better than me. They're getting the blessings I'm not. God favors them and not me. Like all of those unhealthy thoughts, my podcast reviews are a reflection of my value. Like whatever it is, we've got to start really being aware. We had a conversation recently about my book, Are You Really Okay? And we talked about how there's this automatic internal dialogue happening you know, that we don't even notice sometimes. It's like when you hop in the car and you've been with your kids and they're not in the car anymore, but the kids' songs have been playing for the past hour and you're just driving around not even aware of it because you're so used to it. Yeah. And that is internal dialogue. We're so Mm -hmm. used to it. It's so familiar that it becomes like white noise. And we've got to stop and like pull and say, Mm -hmm. what is it that I'm thinking? What yeah. Because feelings don't just poof, come out of thin air. Thoughts lead to feelings, which lead to behavior. So for every uncomfortable, distressful f- feeling, there is an underlying thought that maybe we haven't recognized yet. Yeah. That's so good because even when you're saying that, I'm thinking, okay, so if, we, if we're speaking about social media, if, if we block or unfollow or mute... But if we don't deal with what's inside, that's just going to transfer over to the next person. 100%. Yeah. We're not actually resolving anything. Mm -hmm. We're just like, you know, sanitizing, sterilizing, but we're Mm -hmm. not actually dealing with the infection, which is in here, you know? Yeah, that's good. And so what are the internal thoughts that you're having? I would actually challenge you to write them down, write them out. Um, Why, when I see this person is Mm -hmm. successful for me... I will tell you my weak spot is book sales, like Mm. books. Like I want my work that I pour my heart and soul into, blood, sweat, and tears. I want it to succeed. I want those things to reach so many people because I want people to be changed and healed. Mm. I don't even, it's not even about the money. It's not about the status. Like I don't even care about that, but I just want the, the message of healing. Yeah. But even that pure desire can turn into an impure desire when I start saying, sure. well, why are they so successful? Like yeah. they put out one social media post and sell a million copies of the book and here I am grinding yep. and working. But 
I'm not seeing their behind the scenes. Right. And now this pure motive has started turning into an impure thing because the enemy can take even pure things and say, okay, I'm, let me find a way to twist this. Right, right. You know? And I think too, like you're you're trying to measure your success, which everyone wants to be successful. I mean, no one's going into whether it's parenting or a job or a marriage or college and saying, I hope I'm the worst. Right. Everyone's like, I want to be successful. But what I found is, you know, that this this level, this idea of success, where you're supposed to get, it's continually changing. So it's a moving target. So you're talking about book sales. One year, this many book sales would be amazing. And right. then you get it. And then guess what? It just went higher. You're or 100% just went, right. It is a moving scale. And so for me, I've had to look like, okay, so if I want to be successful and I want to view my life as a success and I'm going to put Jamie's life against Deborah's and like, okay, Deborah's my ideal. Like I got to be like Deborah because she's successful. What if I get like Deborah? And then what? Right. Like where's, where's the goal now? And so I remember thinking, you know what I'm going to strive for is not for whatever culture, whatever says is success, but I'm going to strive to be faithful. So my faithfulness in whatever area, marriage, parenting, college, writing books, podcasts, my faithfulness is going to be my success. Yes. And so whatever that faithfulness is that God's asking you to, guess what? That's successful. That is so powerful. It's thinking. I'm thinking about right now, Deborah. I have a kid I'm about to launch into the world. So let's say he like launches terribly and he like flunks out of college and everything. Is that my failure? Or am I still, I'm being faithful to raise him the way God asked me to do. And so whatever happens to my son, whatever he does, I can stand up and be like, I've been a faithful mom. Mm. I've been faithful with this. Whatever book sales I do or don't have, I was faithful to what you asked me to do. And honestly, that mindset shift, it will affect the way you see yourself compared to other people. Oh, 100%. And it totally goes with the third point. The third practical point is, Focus on what God has called you to do. So good. Faithfulness. That's exactly what it is. Because when you're being faithful, the measuring stick is then you. You're the mm-hmm. measuring stick. Right. You. And and you measure yourself up against what God has called you to do so that mm-hmm. you're fulfi- when you're fulfilling that calling, whether it's big ways or small ways, like I am just as important Yesterday, when I'm at home changing diapers and getting kids food and wiping butts and, you know, like doing the whole small child thing as I am when I'm on stage speaking to thousands of people. Like when I am, when my measuring stick is being faithful today with what God has called me to do, Mm -hmm. all that other stuff fades away. Yeah. Yeah. Because the world has told us that the stage life is better than the home life. Right. And that just doesn't, it doesn't stand up when you put in the faithfulness of what God's asked you to do. Absolutely. And honestly, Jamie, I think one thing that I have realized about you, and I think the reason that you're such a good cheerleader, because not everybody is a good cheerleader. Mm. I have been in this rodeo long enough and interviewed with people and collaborated with some, not collaborated with others. Because not everybody is healthy enough to say, I can cheer you on Mm. and it doesn't take away from my calling. It doesn't take away from what God has called me to do. So I actually think a good measuring stick of how healthy we are, the opposite 
of the comparison trap is being able to cheer people on, to truly want their best interest, to want to see them be faithful to what God has called them to do and say, good job, you are killing it. I am so proud of you. Congratulations on the engagement. Congratulations on the baby announcement. Congratulations on a healthy marriage. It doesn't take away from what I'm doing and my faithfulness. When I am secure in the calling that God has put on my life, when I am being faithful, it frees me to bless and encourage the people around me. It's so true. I always say, if you want to fight comparison, jealousy, discontentment, become a cheerleader because it's it's impossible to be someone's biggest fan and be jealous of them. You're you can't absolutely do it. right. It is impossible. So if you want to fight jealousy that you have with a friend, you need to become their biggest fan. Let me say it again. If you want to fight jealousy that you have with a friend, you need to become their biggest fan because cheering for someone and wanting their life to be successful, and, and we don't mean monetary success, we just mean doing what God's asked them to do. It's really difficult to be 100% for them when you actually desire to be them. Like yeah. we need to be cheerleaders for each other and not want to be each other. That's so good. You know, it's funny because I came into this conversation answering the question for Lisa from Arkansas, <laughs> but I come out of it saying, Lord, what do you need to work on in my heart? Like, what's the mm. next layer here for me? Like, what are the areas that I might still be struggling with that I need to kind of bring to your attention to start yeah. to heal. And especially I think in this world that we're in, I mean, it's everywhere, whether you're dating or, you know, comparing engagement rings or mm -hmm. kids or dogs or whatever, like it's everywhere. But I think also the more public you become, the easier it can be to just kind of look around what everybody else is doing. And so you're constantly having to guard your mm -hmm. heart your vision, your expectations, your measuring stick, and just yeah. like continue being faithful to what yep. God has called you to do and trust Him with it. Yep. That's so good. Is the call. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And tell us where where can people connect with you more, hear your advice, your podcasts, all that you're doing. Like what's the best way for people to connect with you? Well, since you're a podcast listener, because you're listening to us here, you can find my podcast. It's called The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. And in fact, go and search for the episode that Deborah was on with me because it's one of my faves from this year. And so I love podcasting. I release two a week. And my husband and I also host a show called On the Other Side, which season one came out last fall and season two will be out this fall. And then my favorite social media place is Instagram. But if you need to not follow me, that's fine after this conversation. Uh, but I do love hanging out there and I'm at Jamie Ivy over there. So yeah. amazing. Oh, thank you, Jamie. It's always such a blessing to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast and spending your time with me today. No matter what your relationship status, if you're looking to go deeper with healthy relationships, I invite you to check out my books, True Love Dates, Choosing Marriage, Love in Every Season, or my brand new book, Are You Really Okay? You can find more information about these as well as hundreds of articles and in-depth courses over at my blog, truelovedates.com. I love connecting with you, so please find me on Facebook or Instagram at True Love Dates and give me a shout out. If you have questions on your mind, reach out to me at truelovedates.com slash love and relationships.
If you're loving what you're hearing on this show, please be sure to subscribe and leave your five-star review because it makes all the difference in getting the word out. I'm Deborah Faleda, and it was so great being together today, and I can't wait to chat with you again next week. Take care. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.